Ano, if you're listening. <laughs> Tune in to Bitcoin Veterans. He's not a bad guy. <laughs> Is that Gabe doing an English accent? <laughs> that was the one, man. That was the one. That's all I got. Yeah, that's not even any good. Yeah, thanks. Who's Gabe? Are we already ditching Gandalf? I was going to respect Gabe. Yes. <laughs> that is very respectful. I respect my elders. <laughs> I'm all right with it, but I'm going to have to grow out the beard if we're going to stick with that one. I think you should probably do that regardless. I don't know. I, I think Gabe's beard works it's pretty 2023, good. 2023, man. Why not? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Bitcoin Veterans, everybody. Uh, I am Shane Hazel. Now I've got Alex Sanzik with me. I've got Gabe. I've got Operation Libertas, a.k.a. Jordan, and the one and only Mike Hobart. <laughs> As you, If you couldn't deduce by the name, uh, we are Bitcoiners and we are also veterans. It's a show about Bitcoiners from a veteran's point of view. Uh, and I think tonight we are talking about decentralization uh, amongst a, a whole lot of other things, I imagine. But uh, decentralization and Bitcoin, I think, kind of go to hand in hand. Um, and we're going to get into a lot of different aspects of decentralization tonight uh, and why Bitcoin is going to be part of all of them. So uh, without further ado, uh, I wanted to just kind of bring in a little bit uh mike's been going down some rabbit holes and feeding us uh, a whole bunch of videos we won't get into that tonight um but i i do appreciate it mike How, what, like what what has prompted you to do this well without giving away what the actual topic is uh it's just something my dad and i have been interested in since i was a kid it all started on history channel man history channel and then discovery channel those two are a powerful combination and, and Coinfather out there says, it sounds great. <laughs> Holy shit, you did it. Well, why do you got to react like that, Coinfather? Are you like, <laughs> you're surprised that we got it figured out? Somebody go we tell the rest of the Coinfather. Of course we did. It does sound a little <laughs> I think it's Alex's mic, and we'll, and we'll see how that goes, man, with the compressors and everything else. You can test everything all night long tonight. Um, decentralization and Bitcoin. Who wants to uh, start us off tonight in terms of uh, what their thoughts were uh, coming into this? I think Gabe, did you did you suggest decentralization at the end of last week? I don't, I don't know if I suggested it, um, but I, I'm happy to roll with it. Uh, and here we go. So, all right, we're gonna let Gabe start out. So the rest of us look like a, a bunch of uh, children when it when it comes to commenting <laughs> decentralization. I'll try not to disappoint. So, um, there, we have a, a national leader and and. Uh, they they tend to give us speeches and share information with us. So in the in the spirit of her delivery, I'm just going to say that, you know, decentralization is a word, and uh, it starts with the letter D, and it ends with e-centralization, and it's the opposite of centralization. And are there any questions? <laughs> Nailed it. Going deep. Sorry. No, we're actually not taking any questions. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, if you know who I'm who I'm um, imitating, then congratulations. Uh, welcome to the United States. And I'm sorry for the state that we're in. But um, yeah, you know, decentralization is one of the key identifying factors of Bitcoin. 
And what it really refers to is there's no real one person or entity that is in control of it. Uh, there's a system without getting too technical. Uh, um, there's a system of um, computers, nodes that are all connected on one network that is um, really spread out around the planet. We have uh, different nodes that are everywhere. Uh, and that really is one of the things that gives it its power. It gives it, it gives Bitcoin its resilience. It um, And it's really something that keeps it from being taken over or shut down because Nobody has the capability. Uh, nobody has the capability to go and shut down every single, um, every single node that is on this distributed network. Nobody has the power to go and find them and to pull the plug and to, and to end this network that is continuing to grow every single day. And that's really the you know one of the defining powers. Thanks, Nick. Um, of Bitcoin. And as we're also finding, you know, decentralization is, um, you know, expanding in its value beyond Bitcoin. When we talk about things like Noster, um, I don't know if some people say Noster, Noster, Toaster, but uh, <laughs> I like that. I like rhyming words. But um, yeah, and so we're finding a lot of power in that. And I know that we've, you know, many of us are migrating. Many people I see on Twitter are migrating over in that direction as well for a lot of the same reasons. And it gives that um, that communication tool, that protocol um, relies on the same decentralized power that Bitcoin does um, as one of its key identifying factors. So there are a lot of other elements to it that I could dig into, but hopefully that's enough to, to lay down the groundwork for us to have a discussion. Boy. Yeah, I, I think it opens the door wide open, and, and I mean, we're we're we we have become such a I don't know a world of people who would love to centralize us, right? And and the the question is, well, how do they do it? I think this is what a lot of people struggle with is just kind of getting down to the brass tacks of you know the root cause of you know where things have gone wrong. Centralization, I think, is a symptom of you know of of, of totalitarian control, but it, it's like, well, how do they do that? How do they get to that point? Um, and there's a, there's a really good phrase that uh, I've been, uh, that I've heard lately out there. It's the counterfeit class. And, you know, I, the, a lot of times I used to call them the murder cult and, you know, you can call them a bunch of plutocrats and everything else, but it's, it, yeah, it's uh it's this group of, it's this group of people that have, counterfeited money you know that is obviously not not real it, it doesn't have any proof of work whatsoever it's it's created out of thin air and at the end of the day um what they've done is they've handed it out to the people that will carry out their their means their demands their you know their their visions you know uh, operation or what is it uh, of the wf the the, uh, the 2030 plan and you know before that it was 2020 and, and agenda see, 2030 yeah you see this counterfeit class this fiat class that's uh that's tried to do as much centralization of power as possible and they've been enabled um through through a counterfeit money and i think that's you know kind of where we get to uh with some answers for bitcoin it's hmm. a great point it's a great point well, and there's also 
as far as the decentralization goes. I think probably my favorite part and the, re- the I, I'm going to guess that the reason is that one it's my favorite part is because uh, it ties in with physiology and biology. My favorite part of a decentralized system like Bitcoin is that you distribute the, the attack surface extremely far instead of so like because like the opposite the opposite would be like how we have now a centralized system where you have sure you when you have a centralized system a lot of people like it because it's like a fortress right like you can just build up like the the defenses and the battlements and the ramparts you can continue to like bolster it up but it still has significant weak points because everybody has a single point of attack to focus on it can be a million different individuals attacking it or what would be even worse is it could be all of, all of 1 million or it could be a small percentage that decide to coordinate and seek incentives aligned with each other in order to penetrate those defenses and plunder whatever is found inside. But when it comes to Bitcoin, because of the way it's decentralized and the way that the network and the nodes are constantly checking and confirming with each other, it reacts more like a living thing in the sense of if a node gets compromised and is giving out false information, the network will segregate that node and discriminate. And that node will no longer be a part of the network. And that, and and the, like the way that I look at that is it's a lot like an immune system where you real like once the network identifies a problem within itself, it immediately moves to, to solve it and take care of it. And I, the only other thing that maybe you could draw a comparison to, which we could talk about, would be like talking about BitTorrent. Like that's another great decentralized network that has not been capable of being taken down because it's not centralized in a way of what the, I can't remember the term that you just used for that, but the unproductive class is what I like to refer to them as. They, they, they just don't know they don't know how to they don't know how to handle it because there isn't a way to handle it and when you have a system like that that is foundationally a part of a money that is a very cool system to be a part of because then like the only reason we don't like the only reason so many people haven't lost like access to their funds today is because the system's entirely fraudulent like how many of us have stopped to think about oh like the credit card fraud pro isn't like necessarily a problem anymore because the banks are like oh like you said it was fraudulent okay here here's a couple more digits to cover it it's like if you can do that then why are we paying taxes because if you can do that for that then what's like is that what's going on with like all the funding for all this bullshit that none of us voted on like the gender studies in freaking Israel or whatever the hell that was like, Oh, let's just type in a couple digits and zoom. There it goes. And Oh, because it doesn't actually mean anything. It's just, it's gross, man. It's just disgusting. Like the whole system disgusts me. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. I was wondering how you felt about that. Thank you. (laughs) Where's he going with this? (laughs) So let's let's talk. I mean, uh, Jordan, you you love uh, this this new book you're reading. Um, uh, it's uh, Bitcoin is Venice, right? Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I imagine you're you're gaining a, a pretty good eyeful of information and and you know a point of view out of that that has to deal with Bitcoin and decentralization. Yeah, I mean, when you, I've read so many, I've, I've read so many books just kind of about generally decentralization in general. Um, going back, like even before the military, I don't know why I've just been like drawn to this, like to this and networks and stuff and how they work. Um, Bitcoin in, in Venice, really, from what I've read so far, I'm like a quarter of the way through. It really is opening my eyes to the fact that like we're living through a revolutionary time in human history. But then like, why is that? Another book I read, um, I forget who wrote it, but it's called The Tower in the Square, which also refers to Venice. There being the tower that's at the church there. And then the square is like the marketplace. And what it was describing is like the interplay between the tower, which is like a hierarchy and the square, which is this network and how they kind of interoperate. And you can have a sense, you can have a node that might be more powerful than other nodes. Same, same with Bitcoin, uh, same with like Twitter, any network though, there could be bigger nodes that are more influential. Um, but the beauty of it being so decentralized, it doesn't, the biggest node that's out there in any network, you take it out and it doesn't destroy the network. And that's, what's amazing. Like they can make a big target on their back, but taking them out doesn't destroy the network. If anything, it usually promulgates the network even more because that one node then kind of disperses into smaller nodes. That's harder to crack down. Um, like, honestly, I, I don't want that big of a following on Twitter because I've been with a very like low foul following. I've just kind of made the right connections with right people. Like I wouldn't be in this position right now talking to the four of you if I hadn't built a network what I think is rather effectively and targeted people that are good at also pushing a message, right? Y'all wouldn't know who I was if it wasn't for me being on Twitter and making certain connections, right? But you take me out and oh, you got rid of 2000 followers that don't get to hear the stupid things that I say. It's not really a big deal. Um, in the bigger scheme of things, Twitter's going to keep on chugging along. And the same thing, with Bitcoin, there might be a node, whether it's like an actual Bitcoin node, or it could be a, the biggest miner in the world, or the person that's holding the most coins, you can go after them, but it doesn't change anything else about the network, because it's just everywhere. Um, the Starfish and the Spider is another great book. Um, and basically, the point there is like, you can kill a spider by just taking out the center of it. You know, it, it's a node with eight legs, but you take out that node and it's done. Whereas a starfish, you take off a leg and that new, that part you cut off turns into another starfish. So you could just hack that thing up and you've just made the problem even worse. Um, it's just fascinating. Like, and I think that's a big part of what drew me to Bitcoin is once I realized how it worked, I was like, oh man they can't stop this. It's amazing. Like it's beautiful. 
they, I they know can hurt it. Starfish uh, <laughs> reference for it, it could go. It could go a bad way quickly. <laughs> you what? ever just hacked to death a starfish, Shane? Some people, it's best to use very simple analogies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty simple one. <laughs> Um, no, I, I haven't I like actually simple. hacked a, a starfish up, uh, some sea urchins and stuff like that, but yeah, no, no starfish, man. It's good thing we're not on spaces, we would have gotten cut for hacking up sea urchins. <laughs> we're already off of YouTube, no, <laughs> <laughs> no holds barred. Let's go no, right, right before Alex, too, man. Um, Alex, what do you got on, um, on, on Bitcoin decentralization? Sure, so. Uh, I had a conversation with a client just this last week and he said something to me that I thought was very astute. And he goes, uh, he goes, if, am I understanding this right? That these other chains, these other coins, these other things, basically they're subject to state attack. Right. And I was like, exactly. He goes, yeah, that's what I thought. He goes, why is Bitcoin different? And the answer to that is literally because Bitcoin has no issuer, right? The reason why these other things are subject to attack is that they know who to arrest and they know who to throw in jail or to coerce or to do stuff to. But Bitcoin has no CEO. Bitcoin has no board of directors. Bitcoin has no development team or team of engineers working on it. Uh, it was designed and released as open source software. Now, that's not to say that we don't, you know, Bitcoin doesn't have people who work on it, but they can't just change it willy-nilly. They have to get everybody's buy-in. If they want to make a change, they propose the change, the community has to agree because they can write a, a change into the code, but if nobody wants to use it, then they're just kind of howling at the moon by themselves. Right. And this is the reason why, first of all, that's the reason you can't just change Bitcoin, but it's also the reason why when Jordan says it's, you, you can't stop it. That's the reason you also can't stop it because it's, it, it's, you know, this is the reason that I started taking Bitcoin seriously. I heard about Bitcoin in 2011, really didn't take it seriously. Cause I thought like many people do today, I thought, you know, government's just going to shut this thing down anytime they want like have fun with that guys and it was after the 2017 run-up and then it crashed down in 18 and then in 2019 early 2019 i'm looking at the price of bitcoin and i'm thinking to myself why is this thing still here it don't make any sense like government should have shut this down a long time ago and so I started doing research to answer that question. And what ended up happening was after a couple thousand hours of looking at it, I came to the conclusion, the reason they haven't shut it down is they can't. They can't. And the reason they can't is because the, uh, you know, copies of, of Bitcoin core have been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times at this point. There are nodes, copies of this all over the planet. And in orbit, by the way, there's satellites that have copies of Bitcoin core on it. So let's just play a game for a second. Let's think through the, what would the government 
rests of the world have to do in order to shut down Bitcoin? Well, they would all have to agree simultaneously they're going to shut off the internet. Imagine that. All the countries of the world going, okay, guys, we're going to work together. We're going to stop Bitcoin. Shut off the internet. Right? No balls. That's insanity. That'll never happen. However, let's say it did. They, they all got together. They shut off the internet. Then they would have to go around the world. They would have to find every single copy of Bitcoin Core that was ever downloaded. They would have to destroy it and make sure the computers that those things are resting on were never restarted again. Why? Because the moment you flip the switch and turn the internet back on, if one of those things is alive, boom, the whole thing repropagates again. It's like and a it, virus. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like they might be able to kill it in the cradle, but there is no way they can stop it now. And this is one of the most important things for people to understand uh, before they can really wrap their mind around the resiliency of how powerful this technology is. And to, to tie that in to the, you know, we're doing this as Bitcoin veterans. So to tie that into like a military aspect, it's like thinking you can defeat an insurgency, like radical Islamic terrorism, right? Wild idea. You could you could kill every single radical Islamic terrorist in the world, and then a new guy could pick up a book, which is a you know, a copy of the code that radicalized other people, and boom, it starts propagating again. It's not just like, that. If you kill one dude, right? What ends up happening is all of his cousins and his brothers and his uncle are like oh no jerks. Insurgency yeah. math. The more you try to stop it, the more it grows. The more it attracts attention and people want to know why. Yeah. yeah. This is coined the term anti-fragility. And <clears throat> there's a big difference between being hard and being, you know, armored or up armored, like being able to withstand an attack versus anti-fragile. And for anybody that's out there that maybe is just new to Bitcoin, anti-fragile means it, it's more like the Hulk. It's one of the best analogies I've ever heard is every time the Hulk got, you know, attacked, he would just grow strong enough to defeat whatever that attack was. And it didn't matter how big it got. It was just, he would scale up, it would, he would get stronger, he'd defeat it, and, that, and he would, you know, he could stay at that pinnacle strength, right? Like, he just scales up. And that's what Bitcoin does over and over and over again, which I think is hysterically funny sometimes. And when you look at what's just happened with Greenpeace trying to attack us with, I don't know, mi millions of dollars in an art piece and marketing and everything else, the the jujitsu, you know, that happened in, in that moment alone where they, they grabbed this thing and they said, we're going to make this every meme today. It's going to be on every Bitcoiners, you know, post. It's going to have everything to rebut it all in the same place. You know, it just scaled up without even trying. We 100x their marketing spend for free <laughs> <laughs> and adopted their shit. Those yeah. of you who aren't familiar with the story, they hired this artist and he made this gigantic statue. And it was basically a skull, and the skull was like green with glowing orange eyes. And was like, it skull Satoshi? Is that what it's called? For hair. And like the whole point of it was they were trying to draw this analogy that Bitcoin is bad for the environment. Like nuclear power uh, power plants for the people. Yeah. So they were trying to make it seem like that. And all the Bitcoiners just embraced it. It's like, oh, look, a, a glowing radiated skull. I love this. Thing. <laughs> Completely Turned it into a, a thousand yeah. different memes and shot it all over Twitter and the Internet. And it became ours. Because <laughs> it looked awesome. It looked awesome. 
It was a good. It's job like I can appreciate artist. your art that's trying to trash what I believe in, but it looked awesome. Sorry, and but now that I think now. it looked awesome, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't get it's a gift. you don't get to tell me how I feel. Oh, about it. it was that's nuclear power plant on the top and Bitcoin yeah. for the eyes. That was wrong. Now there there is a bunch of Bitcoiners who are, who went to the artist are like, hey, can we buy that thing from you? <laughs> We'll I'll, buy it I'll in Bitcoin. Entire Bitcoin. Right? We'll give you three happen? Bitcoin for that. That would be like a, a featured art piece at like Pacific Bitcoin or one of these gigantic Bitcoin conferences, guaranteed. Does yep, anyone yep. know what's happened to it? Like, where is it? I think they're doing some kind of tour with it, <laughs> where they're trying to, like, you know, say Bitcoin's bad. I, I heard Greenpeace threw it in the ocean. Just, just with <laughs> all the straws. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling it's it's living on the lower back of many Bitcoiners in the form of a tattoo. We'll show those Bitcoiners. <laughs> a lot of people want to know if we're actually having a Bitcoin veterans conference at some point. And I think if we do, we've got to somehow procure the skull. I'm not talking about anything illegal. You know, we don't have to steal it or anything, but just find a way to borrow, borrow it. it for a night. Yeah. Yeah. Just some I'm, some sort I'm sure of just nothing like terrible some, would happen to sort it with of, a bunch of veterans. No, yeah, I'm some no. sort of fun, just little like night raid. You know, we, we put it right back, like you know, 24 hours later or something like that. Like it's, we'll have a we'll little tip, that. like an open dime hidden on it or something like that. It's funny. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, you know, there, there's a lot of veterans um out there that are obviously uh from the United States, but you know, this this is one of those shows where we're we're, we're very accepting of veterans all over the world. I think, uh, and when we talk about this kind of stuff, I think this stuff is very intuitive for uh veterans, especially inside the United States. You know, with we're we're, we're very accepting of veterans all over the world. Oh man, is that? Did you guys hear that? Yeah, that was That's weird. My fault. Oh man! All right, <laughs> man. Like, Jesus. Um, this this idea of decentralization was something that you know Americans were birthed out of. Uh, this not the seventeen seventy six, not the seventeen eighty seven Americans. Um, and when when we kind of adopt this and, and look at it as a you know American veterans. You know, maybe a good thing to do is probably bring in some of our history in terms of that time, because for a lot of people, you know, I think that it's it's scary for those people around the world. They grew up, um, you know, thinking that the state should be taking care of them, that the state should be, you know, plundering other people for the greater good, uh, you know, all of those things. Ew. And that, yeah, that's not how uh, I don't think most of us were raised. There's a there's a great piece inside uh, one of our. I don't know, most iconic documents. It's, it doesn't you know hold any real weight uh, in terms of law these days, but uh, it's the Declaration of Independence and that famous passage that says that whenever any form of government comes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute a new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing it in its powers in such form to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. I mean, do you, do you realize, I mean, if that's if that's just kind of born and bred into you, the idea that you could, you know, latch on to Bitcoin and the the decentralization of that, maybe maybe even secession, you know, um, when you when you look at it, this this safety and happiness, safety and happiness, you know, safety is a is a continuum. Happiness is a very low objective bar 
in terms of wanting to separate yourself from whatever central centralized powers it is, whether it's you know King Henry or now this this plutocratic you know murder cult that we have out there, that is this you know it, it doesn't make anybody happy. And you look around, they they can't figure out you know why there's blow in in the West Wing of the White House, which is under <laughs> you know lock and key of the the Secret Service. You know they're not doing the most heavily defended building in the country and the world. Yeah, you know, you, you you've got you know just billions and billions and billions of dollars rushing. It, it's our number one export. You've got a, a senile old man that is a dementia patient. That's a puppet. You know, that's supposed to be the commander in chief. And you know, you're looking at rising prices for everything. People are being robbed by fiat and counterfeit this counterfeit class, right and left. I, I would I would think if there was a legitimate happiness scale inside of the united states you know on that continuum man we we're probably you know in terms of a population as a country we're probably in the single digits right now i would imagine did you did you guys see that uh thing apparently there was a memo to the dod having to do with apparently uh if you are a i don't even know what the word is but if you're one of these guys who thinks you're a girl and you've done that thing where now you're a girl, supposedly, you don't actually have to deploy to combat anymore. I did see that. There's a memo that was that went out. What? To the DOD. Yeah, if you're one of these people, you, you don't have to go to combat. Then you're not in the military anymore. No, like, you get, get out. Home. And something about uh, they've waived all of the, the, uh, the PT standards for these folks. Basically, yep. they don't have to pack PT standards anymore. All right, let's see. Five five things to know about the DOD's new policy, right? Oh, uh, on God. transgender persons. And uh, we're off of YouTube. <laughs> we didn't say anything bad about it. We just said, hey. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of scroll through this in the background and um see if i can figure out uh the new dod policy doesn't ban transgender individuals from service uh transgender service members may continue to serve the new policy is focused on enhancing readiness and comes after consultation with military and medical experts wait hold on hold on go back up what was that saying to number three yeah just over 70 percent of prime military age americans cannot meet the military standards oh good Fantastic. So we're just making that statistic worse. No big deal. Yeah. And then gender dysphoria is a medical condition. Um, and the the new DOD policy eliminates special accommodations that were provided to persons with gender dysphoria, but not to others. So, I mean, guys, I, I don't know about you, but when you guys went through uh, whatever, you know, you had to go through in terms of your medical screenings, um, do you remember guys not making it because of hangnails and like, you know, just having, I don't know, flat feet or maybe a little bit of scoliosis or, you know, something, something that was a, a slight medical condition. There were things that were medically disqualifying, right? There's, there were things that were medically disqualifying for various jobs that you were, if you were trying to do a specific job and there were some things that disqualified you from being in the military altogether. But I don't recall there being a, if you think you're a girl thing, you don't have to go to combat. I that mean, look at Klinger, right? I mean, that was, that was a, based on a true story. MASH. 
Maybe that's where they got the idea. (laughs) Well, the military is downstream from the culture. Mm -hmm. So like, all right, having not actually gone through basic, maybe I'm speaking out of turn. So y'all kick me in the dick if I'm wrong. Uh, but I imagine any when there are certain people yeah. that as they start to go through basic, they realize, what the fuck did I just get myself into? I got to find a way out of this, right? And it's just been different things socially throughout time that you could complain about. And it's a politically sensitive subject to where they're like, the instructors and all the cadre are like, we don't want to touch this with a 10 foot pole, like send this up the chain. And so then the military is then having to deal with this new problem that is coming from society. Right. And they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. And they're having to operate in the political environment that they're in. Right. So they're having to come up with all these policies and stuff to deal with people coming in complaining. And I feel like that's probably the root of it. Like when it comes to like the actual war fighting part, like, that is the one of the last things to be affected. We're talking about somebody like I, I see what you're saying, Mike. Like, oh, you're not allowed to, and I'm, I'm not even like supporting this. I'm just trying to explain it. But when Mike's like, oh, you, that's your excuse. You're not even gonna, you're gonna use this to not go to combat. You're not in the military anymore. Most of the people in the military like aren't even going to combat. A lot aren't deploying. So like, yeah, yeah, but still you have in. to at least be combat ready. But most people that's, that's in the military more, don't really have to be when it comes that's down to That's a more it. important point. And this is kind of what, what bugs me about all this kind of stuff. This is what bugs me about selling down the, uh, the United States Petroleum Reserve. That reserve yeah. is supposed to be in place in the event that we're, we go to war. Yep. And we, have to, we have to fuel the machine, right? It, this is what bugs me about reducing our ammo stockpiles and sending everything over to Ukraine. Like I, I, I've seen letters and messages from active duty guys who are basically saying, Hey, they're stripping our armories and they're sending stuff over there. That's like, we are not ready for stuff. If something goes side, good things go sideways right now. We are not ready. And like everything that's, that happens that reduces our capability. I don't think it's a good idea. Don't think it's a no. good idea. This is also a, yeah. It's weird to say because it's not like we're out of wars, like we're still actively involved in many wars and we're still, but this is the typical cycle that happens after a war where there's a drawdown and there's a cut in spending and you don't do the recruitments down, equipments down, and the military is having to train on like bare bones, which actually is kind of good. They should always train like that. It's when they start getting so much shit handed to them in the middle of a war that they kind of start to get a little soft and don't just work with what they're given. Um, but the weird thing is we're experiencing that while going through multiple wars still and the inability, they're just getting stretched so thin financially that they can't keep this monster going. No. And that's, and that's part of the bigger problem as well is when you look at our fiat based, um, government everything that they do is is touched by our fiat currency that is backed by nothing more than them and their credibility and so everything that branches out from them as that central monster 
is going to have the same um, the same value, which is nothing. These mandates and um, recruiting requirements and everything that that is involved with them, it's not really based on anything other than what their flavor of the day is. Uh, whether it's their diversity initiatives, um, lowering recruitment standards, lowering, um, you know, changing the, the the medical requirements to stay in or to be med boarded out. It's it's all just a, a disaster because it's based on that exact same fiat mindset that permeates our government. There's no credibility to it. There's nothing about it that is that that contains any more value than what the government says it does. And they say, you know, they get to determine what a good military service member looks like. And it's not based on anything. It's not based on actual uh, capability to go and execute the mission. It's not based on actual standards of being able to go out and physically execute your duties and pick up one of your buddies if he gets his leg blown off. It's not based on any of that anymore. So this is the the bigger picture of how Bitcoin changes this by helping us to transform our mindsets from, you know, I say our, I mean our society, our entire culture to transform our mindsets from one that is rooted in the nothingness that is fiat uh, into something that is based in something that is actually hard and real, which is Bitcoin. And when Bitcoin is able to do what Bitcoin does and be more of an influence and be more of a, a powerful force in everything that we do, there's no choice but for other things to adhere to that. Because a couple of a couple of us have talked about how it's a living thing. And I believe that it's it, it, it's one of the most fascinating aspects of Bitcoin is that, I mean, it's it, it's a living thing that is paying us. It's literally paying us to help it grow. And that's awesome. And that it's it. I mean, it almost gives it its own intelligence for it to have that genius element to it to pay to pay another organism to you know, to go out there and mine it. That's what we're doing. We're mining it and we're growing it and it rewards us by doing that, for doing that. Um, and it's fascinating. But I, I bring it all back around to the fact that, yeah, these standards and these 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 uh, bankers wars that we keep finding ourselves involved in are based entirely in that fiat mindset. And that's where Bitcoin steps in and has the potential to change that. And we know... Bitcoin isn't going to stop people from fighting each other. It's not going to stop one tribe of people, if you will, from going over and taking something from another tribe of people and using violence to do that. But what it does do is it does take away the power of the fiat system that is the lifeblood that keeps that central monster alive that continues to do what it does, which is to debase our currency and to create more war. Do you guys know the reason that most countries in history that were on a gold standard at one time went off the gold standard? Do you know what the reason they did that is? War didn't keep paying soldiers enough? War, generally speaking. They couldn't generate enough money to go to war so they removed the gold backing and created a situation where they could basically either print or incur way more debt. Yeah. And I'm going to read a quick thing here 
Now, whether whether you like RFK Jr. or not, he was, and I don't want to make this show all about RFK Jr. Let's please not plenty <laughs> last show. Those Bitcoin veterans love RFK Jr. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, you know, read something that he said that I thought the guy's pretty on point with this. He goes, My uncle President Kennedy, when he was in office, understood the importance of hard currency and the dangers of having a pure fiat currency with no other option. He understood the relationship between fiat currency and war, fiat currency and very, very destructive environmental projects and also giant aggregations of wealth and the unbalance, the disparities in wealth that are the ultimate yield of every fiat currency. He goes on to say, reflecting on history of fiat currencies, uh, frequent use of unbacked paper basically funds wars without the need for specific government taxation or the citizens' approval. And the bottom line is, if you just follow the money, follow the money, who, who benefits from expending all of our munitions? Think about it. Military-industrial complex. MIC. Yep. They have to, what, replace all those bullets, replace all those bombs, replace all those artillery shells. And the bandages. With new stuff. Yeah. Right, they're right up there next to the money printer. You know, when you have these guys that are out there, let's go to war, and then you expend a whole bunch of stuff. The stuff needs to be replaced. Those corporations that specialize in making the stuff do pretty good. And the part that that I find pretty reprehensible is they they seem to have no qualms about burning the blood of our people. No. To do yeah, and that, that, that's the thing is you you look at it from that perspective, and you just get to the point where you're like, you know, we have a you know multinational group that's in doing whatever they want to do, and they're they're funding all of this, um, you know, quote unquote development and research now in 2023 to the point where we have no idea what they're using to trade that that counterfeit fiat currency for, and you know, and and shows to come here in the future i imagine we'll get into you know some of the things that i think we were talking about in the beginning of the show mike is you know these these extraordinary um type of aircraft that maybe we have no idea about in complete armies uh that are extremely well trained that have the best equipment the the best technology you know, and if anybody thinks that that stuff doesn't exist to begin with, I, I would, you know, hey, may, maybe take a, another red pill. But, you know, to what degree do they exist? And I don't think most people even have a damn clue. I think they're probably well, dug it's in. It's been mythologized. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and <clears throat> rightly so, right? Is you, you might have one or two people here or there, you know, leak something and then maybe they go missing or, or whatever it is. But I think these guys are dug in like ticks into some valleys of some extremely rough terrain. Uh, in in different parts of the world that have you know much like what we do in terms of you know just military bases military operations you know we have we have quote unquote the you know the the ability to project force around the world uh, in in less than twenty four hours with real meaning and I, I guarantee you you know these guys who are more funded who have gone to a lot of the same schools that probably started out like a lot of us that just continued down the path 
down the path, down the path. Checks got bigger to the point where the checks didn't matter. And they were just doing something that was extremely, you know, on the inside and at the highest echelons. And you wonder how, how deep can that go? And I think, you know, what we're seeing now is just, just the tip of this little bit of, I don't know, you know, things that are breaking out where you see, you know, sex trafficking, you see these off world vehicles, you see, um, you know, an entire class that, you know, might be blackmailing each other with just loads and loads and loads of money. So you play ball. That is, that is an insane thing, uh, you know, to, to think of. And I don't, I don't know that maybe even the, you know, the, the people that founded the United States of America and the constitution would have ever thought it would have gone that far. Well, I mean, you go even a little bit farther with like what you're just talking about, Shane is like with the, the one, another massive, uh, tenant to like the fiat system and the digital age is you don't even need to worry necessarily about racking up a big paycheck. You just set up a credit card and then you just wipe the balance on it. Like you don't need to actually, actually like to like, Oh, Hey, here's a hundred thousand units into your account. Like every month or couple months or whatever. It's like, here, just take this credit card. We have access to the system. Whatever you put on it, we'll just wipe it every four weeks. Like that's that's another aspect that people don't I don't think people really give enough credit to. It's like when you have something like Bitcoin, like you obviously can't do that because you don't have access to changing the ledger like nobody does. So you can't like you can't utilize that system to accrue resources and assets and power. Man, that's an awesome point, because that's one of the other powers of the decentralized nature of Bitcoin is that everybody sees everything. And everything is verified and nothing can be hidden. And so it removes the the ability to have, um, you know, to, to manipulate things. It's all right there. And it's all I mean, the, if, if there's if there's one one little spot on the network that does not approve this, then there and there's a problem. And so you've got this distributed ledger worldwide. And even like you said, Alex, off world and Every transaction goes through this network and must be verified by that network. And if it's not, then it's no good. And so that is, and I believe that that is one of the things that is a that is a huge threat to the to the fiat system is they know that they can't go in there and change it. And so doing things like that, like just going out and and erasing transactions and just removing things that that you know where they just want to hit the reset button, that's not possible to do. And so it requires, um, you know, through transparency, it requires um, people to act um, with integrity and honestly, and because it removes the need to trust, which obviously is completely and totally misplaced for anyone that is going to trust the, the institutions that we're talking about, because it's been proven for hundreds of years that, that that's, that's just not possible. Well, and, and, and Gabe, I, I want to go a little bit further too. Like, there's a there's something like one of my favorite podcasts as far as on this topic of all time was with Trace Mayer and a um, now fallen from grace individual by the name of Anthony Pompliano. Back in 2019, Trace Mayer was talking about the gold price suppression scheme, and when you have a fiat system like this. And you have financialized assets like leveraged longing and shorting, which would be for those that don't understand a long is a bet on the price going up into the future. A short is a bet on the price going down in the future. When you have leverage, it's you can take on extra debt to basically move around more financial power than you have. For example, 100x leverage would be 
you put up a thousand dollars, you get a hundred thousand dollars worth of um, financial power, but you you have to deal with like liquidation prices and all this other stuff, which would mean you lose all your money. Um, but when you have a fiat system where you can fabricate however many units you want, and you have an asset before Bitcoin like gold, which is scarce but it's not finite, it's potentially finite we don't know for sure right we just don't know the actual amount that's out there that's available to us when you have that kind of combination to where you have a, a a relatively scarce asset but an infinite amount of resources you can use these financialized assets to or financial yeah financialized assets as far as leverage trading to keep price suppressed which we know as far as like the conversation around number go up technology ngu right when you keep price suppressed, it keeps people from being interested. And if you do that, if you use that kind of system, you can use it properly to the point of where you just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate this asset that you might want that other people would want if the price was going up. And you can just accumulate this asset and hoard it up until the point of where you have all the you have a huge amount of the supply and then you let it explode and then you you benefit from the price discovery. Right. That's where Bitcoin comes in and breaks the system because it is a purely finite asset. So like it eventually gets to the point where if enough people want it, if if when enough people want it and demand rises high enough, you start to run out of that. You can have infinite all you want, but people will keep buying it up to the point of like you're losing the power to keep it suppressed. That's what makes it exciting. Yeah, there's I was I was actually out for a hike this morning and uh, I was listening, I think, to uh, Bitcoin Audible. If you guys don't know Bitcoin Audible, it's Guy Swan and he is uh, he's he's really good. Um, but he was talking about this and I was thinking, obviously, in a decentralization type of mindset this morning when I went out like about the show today. And when he started talking about one of the aspects, one of the defining aspects, I don't think a lot of people think of in Bitcoin is not only is the money obviously on a, on a decentralized network right but what they've done in terms of decentralization for the first time probably in human species history is now opened a a money system for anybody and everybody to participate in and not not so much just us as consumers right like uh for developers and that's something that's never ever happened before you know it, if it's recent history with payment rails, especially when you look at, you know, what MasterCard, what Visa is in, in trying to quote unquote replicate. No, we're not trying to replicate. What we've done is we've totally wiped the map clean and we've said, you're all welcome. If you want to come in here and develop, you can come in here and develop. And that's already led to, you know, layer two, uh, possibly some layer three that are that's starting out. But in terms of these transmission lines, you know, we're, we're, we're stacking on level two. So if, you know, the, the the bottom level is Bitcoin. You know, this is our TCP IP protocol. Now we're going to stack on top of that, just like they did with AOL and social media and the rest of this crap. You get to the point where now in Bitcoin, you've got this decentralization happening on Lightning Network. You've got ARC that's now evolving. You've got Fediments that are out there. And when you've got all of these people who can contribute in this space and see where it's going to go, you're talking about decentralization on such a massive scale to fit whatever population, whether they live in the same village or they are a network of people around the world that have, you know, maybe a same hobby, whether it's, you know, chickens or video gaming. This is 
potential like this has the potential to do things that we can't even imagine in terms of decentralization and at the same time probably curing a lot of what has poisoned us through the fiat system i mean you know when you look at you know where we're at in terms of america you know you've got people that are really really regurgitating a lot of whatever you know team red or team blue talks about and then you've got a, a you know a large group that's just kind of checked out and so you know to try to rebuild trust in in your fellow man and organizations and in in all of those things that's the power of bitcoin and what it has power in in terms of decentralization well think about think about how much of the science has been corrupted like we've talked about now the military industrial complex, but think about how much of the science has been broken and corrupted through the fiat money printer, through corporations like Coca-Cola and uh, what, it, what would be the um, general general mills, like those kinds of companies. Like how, like how much of that system has been corrupted by them just using the fiat printer to manipulate corporate lobbying to the point of where they are funding... Um, to the point of where they're funding like quote unquote science to support whatever claim that they want to be able to sell their products better as a far as part of like a, a an academic an academic marketing scheme and then think about how much of this system has been used to propagate all these like fertilizer companies like monsanto and bear and how much that's destroying the quality of the soil and how much that's like glyphosate for example like we started using glyphosate not only as like a fur as an herbicide or whatever, but we started using it to dry out the damn crops so that they wouldn't rot. And as soon as we started using that as a strategy, the gluten the gluten intolerance pandemic just exploded. That's hmm. all. It's all related. And it like and, we and have- I, I I understand why a lot of like the no coiners like they start to get they're like oh you guys are down these conspiratorial rabbit holes Look. like. Like all you do is just okay, touch the money. Okay, to be fair, when when we say things like other world or off world vehicles and murder cult, we're stepping into that area of the Overton window where people are like, "The hell that dude just say?" But, <laughs> you know, you gotta like the spider web starts with the oh, dollar. I should I, I should go a little softer in the paint, is what you're saying, Alex. <laughs> Look, what I'm saying <laughs> is there's a there's a portion of the population who, when they hear stuff like that, they're immediately going to be like, I don't know if I can. I I don't know. Yeah. I can, well, I, here's here's I, something, and I'm glad I'm glad we're going down this road actually. Um, and Mike, do it, Gabe. What you're saying, man, it's it's um, man, I think it's right on. You know, but here's the thing: people, some people do tend to. Um, you know, hear things like statements when people say things like, you know, it's all connected and things like that and think, okay, you know, whatever, you know, that that's some conspiracy stuff. <laughs> but the reality is, I, I mean, just if you look at the nature of existence itself, really everything is connected. You cannot deny that. Okay. Everything, you know, Ooh, they, let's they, get they esoteric, it, Gabe. Well, they call it, yeah, here we I'm go. Ready. I'm now, they, they, you, you've, we've probably heard of the butterfly effect, right? When a butterfly flaps its wings, you know, it'll create a hurricane on the other side of the planet. But everything is connected and everything does function as a large scale, massive scale. Wait a minute. Wasn't that like, wasn't that like a line in Jurassic Park or something like that? I don't know. Well, they did call <laughs> me and ask me if they could use it. So, some, yeah, some, they, they uh, still haven't sent me the check. How old? He's not that old. Jeez, Alex. He's. <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, Paleolithic just... era, maybe, but not Jurassic. Well, if you want to go there, here we go. You might. I've got the a line. thing for you. <laughs> Wait, you're just you're just Don't giving me dick, food. Alex. You're, you're feeding me. Here we go. But it's just like he said, man. You're going to make me use movie references now, Alex. Thanks. But it's like he said. Do it in Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. Okay, and it's the same freaking thing when you get down to Bitcoin. All right, and now everything is connected. There is a network. You can call it the food chain. You can call it whatever you want. But um, yeah, from my time that I spent in the in the Cretaceous era, um, I can tell you that back then it was the same way. Now, <laughs> I love that this has just become a running joke. I've got some selfies episode. of it, man. I'll share them with you some sometimes. Uh, well, I, you know, I had to carve them into stone. But we'll be posting those on uh, the Twitter feed later. It's links, <laughs> links in below. We'll be, sending, we'll be selling them as ordinals. This is your next to my cousin, the Philobite. Oh, I'm going to sell selfies at the at the uh, Bitcoin Veterans Convention. Is that now, a stalactite, or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> both. <laughs> Good answer. Now, all right, I'm going to go back to the point before it disappears. The, all right. Too late. It, thank Sorry. you. <laughs> now, the, the connection is there, okay? There is a network. And the something that, that I feel like is important for us to bring into the conversation is, you know, while we talk about, um, you know, it's all connected and the conspiracy is perceived and so forth, if we're willing to accept the fact that there is such tremendous power in a distributed network such as um, the Bitcoin network, then we also have to be in a position to accept the conclusion that there is an opposite um, similar type of network that exists. And it is the difference is that network being the fiat system is it does have a core. It does have a centralized core. However, its tendrils have reached into everything, which we have discussed several examples of in this very discussion. And each one of them, my mind keeps going to, okay, well, it's like that because it's a part of that fiat system, that organism that is fiat. So you've got this nasty, disgusting, um, grotesque monster that has reached its tentacles into every single aspect of human existence. And, I mean, people don't know how to get out. We've talked about it before. It's it's a game that, you know, we're talking about this entire different group of individuals that they're playing this game that most of us will never see, most of us will never know, other than things that get leaked in our direction. But we know it exists. And then on the other side, you've got, I'm going to use the term, you've got this bright orange future of Bitcoin that does the exact opposite of that. Everything that fiat does, Bitcoin does the exact opposite. It literally goes in and kills it because not only does it do the opposite, but it does the opposite better and it does it right. And so Bitcoin is the antidote that truly does come in and kill the fiat system that has its greasy tentacles involved in and permeating every single aspect of our lives right now. I'm glad I got that out. That's a solid mic drop. We uh we're we're at an hour, and I I asked anybody that was in the uh, the, the the audience to drop some questions out there, um and they there's there's a few really good ones. Um I I think Ben, uh if you guys don't know, 
um bj uh dictor from canada that really organized a lot of what they did up there with the uh, the convoy and the truckers of course we uh, know bj yeah you, you you guys obviously do but there might be some guys out there um he asked us what the hardest part about orange pilling veterans was for you guys that's a really tough question yeah, actually veterans. go ahead alex i'd say it's easier probably to orange pill veterans than it is that orange pill active duty guys and i think it also depends upon their age and like how far down the path of managing their finances they are. Most guys that are in their first term of service, they're still pretty young. Uh, and like, not everybody takes that stuff super seriously. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was one of these. There were guys in my unit who were very careful. You know, they managed their money. They budgeted their stuff. They were investing. They were smart. They didn't go out and party. But then there were guys like me who like, I couldn't tell you what happened to my paychecks. Guaranteed, I, I drank most of it or whatever. Uh, and that, I, think, I think that's probably pretty common. Dodge Charger. <laughs> oh, you were one of those. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, so it depends. I mean, the smarter ones, they're, you know, they're a little, I'd say smarter. The ones that are a little more concerned about their future and their finances will pay more closer attention. Maybe it doesn't necessarily mean they're smarter, but they're just, they're just more wired into that right now. And it's a, it's a, it's a phase of life kind of thing. And then with veterans, it's, it be, I think it's a lot easier because uh, veterans get out of the service. And I mean, the service takes care of you in so many ways. Like the thing about being in the military is you're not going to starve to death. You're not going to die from the elements. There, you can live in the barracks if you have to. You can go to the, you know, MREs. I mean, yeah. So, a lot of your basic stuff that you have to take care of once you become a civilian, they don't think about sometimes so much. But as a civilian, you basically have to do all the stuff. And that's when you start thinking about the math a lot. I mean, I'm not saying guys in the military don't think about the math, especially the junior guys. I mean, these guys don't get paid crap to do what they do. And uh, so I'm sure they do think about all that stuff. But I think the hardest part for guys like that is you have to develop a habit of savings. And then what the hell do you do with the savings? You don't save it and then go buy a motorcycle. That's not savings. All right. You save it and then you put it into something that's going to continue to grow your wealth stack, so to speak. And then for veterans, um, I don't know, man. I, it feels like guys who will sit down and talk to you about stuff. I think it's a lot easier because it's the whole thing about what's your purpose, man? What's your mission? Why are you here? What are you doing? What is going on with this country? Are you upset with what's happening here? Because if you are, what the hell are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Well, I think, I think one, uh, <clears throat> well, two points as far as difficulty that you brought up, Alex, one, uh, I'll start with the latest one. Cause that's actually just relevant now. Um, conversations that i had with like the guys in my unit a lot of them would they wouldn't say this but the way that they talked about it it would get to this point of i would talk about bitcoin and like how it's like it challenges the dollar and all that stuff and they would approach the argument from a position of a type of indoctrination where they will understand and they will like very much get the whole not trusting the military or the government and everything but then they will still look at Bitcoin as if it's almost kind of like this treasonous, traitorous thing because it's taking power from the flag that they're also defending. I guess this instant, it's this 
interesting duality that I encountered with like going on with that conversation. And it's, it's, Oh, it's, a, and I think what, what Jordan's kind of like trying to jump in with is that it's, it's like this interesting dichotomy of you can understand and acknowledge the many bad things that are going on with the country or with the military or the government, but you can also like acknowledge and understand and accept that like something like Bitcoin is still promoting the health and the strength of the individual participants of the country and the government to the point of where it's like to suggest that it's trade like traitorous or treasonous is a little bit ridiculous. And then well, there, there was, there was one other point real quick, Jordan, that uh, yeah. Alex was touched on that. I'm glad he mentioned savings. A lot of the soldiers now there's a product called the TSP plan, which is the thrift savings plan. And they wrap it up almost kind of like this, like hedge fund, hedge fund ish, like bond market kind of deal where it's just this amalgamation of different um, investment, like vehicles or funds like out in the SMP and like bonds and stuff like that. And they, they use the, this TSP product to siphon more of their own soldiers money into these bundles, these, these buckets of money to like, they're like, Oh, you can earn like 3% or 5% or whatever. And I'm like, I looked at like what, like the first one came, I think it was the first one. It was like one of them came out when I was still in, uh, before 2020 and we sat through the you know the death by powerpoint going through all this nonsense i'm like this is a bunch of bullshit you guys don't understand it and we get to the end and i look at all the guys in my unit and i look around the room and i'm like you guys realize that they're doing this just to accumulate your funds so they can use those funds elsewhere and then they're just promising you a percentage that like isn't necessarily guaranteed because it's being risked on the market like you, do, there's no guarantee that you're gonna have this. Like if the market turns sour, like if there's a 2008 like like crisis again, you guys lose like whatever portion. Like you're not thinking this through. Like this is not your money. It's it's really it's really fucking insidious that they they have the goal to push that into you know boot camp or basic training for yeah. guys and that, that's where they that's where they want you to make that decision right like yeah you're, you're you're sitting in a classroom you're probably brand new or maybe you're at the end of the training i don't know when it happens for some people but we're gonna offer you this shit bond right yeah. especially yep. you know especially now but you know this this really shitty bond that's gonna mature in you know maybe 10 years from now maybe 20 years from now depending on what you want to do and at the end of the day you're funding you're literally giving your time away back for free to you know this this counterfeit culture that's going to continue to push you guys into the grinder and you're being paid shit to begin with yeah and they 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 ask for a minimum of ten thousand dollars to be put into that shit too look at that nick Fred. i just withdrew all my tsp cash and turned Let's it into go. Bitcoin that's what i was just gonna mention hell right? yeah if you have a TSP and you get out prior to, to getting picking up some other kind of government job, if you pick up another government job, it's basically going to be a continuation, one continuous account thing. However, you have an opportunity, you have a window. You get out, you can take that TSP and you can convert it into a traditional Roth IRA and you can buy Bitcoin. Got a yep. question? Ask me. 
for those of you guys that don't speak for finance, IRA, IRA is the same thing. It is a savings mechanism where you can either save money, retirement account. Yeah, tax deferred, or you can pay the tax at the when when, when you start withdrawing at after 59 and a half. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Smoking advice, Alex. If if you're if you're looking to turn your IRA, whether you're you know taking it out of TSP or wherever, you have a window. You hate your job, whatever it is, and you're you're going to make a move, possibly into Bitcoin, and take that IRA and put it out. You know, get it out of fiat. Whatever you do, get it out of fiat. And I would definitely recommend taking a look at, you know, owning a, a real asymmetric asset like Bitcoin. Yeah. And this is a huge opportunity for us to bring more veterans into the mission is exactly through something like that. Because, you know, we've talked about it. We've got 200,000 individuals coming out of the military every year on average. You know, my mind right now is going to what does it look like to educate these individuals before they get out, when they enter into that window, when they have access to those funds to be able to go ahead and put them in a Bitcoin IRA. Because it's a huge opportunity because it is it is a scam and they do take these 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 uh, these soldiers as they're going in and they basically promote this as this is just what you do. Don't worry about it. Yeah, here here's your PowerPoint. This is going to make you rich one day. You'll be fine. Sign this, fill out this form. We're going to put it in this in this great TSP and it's going to set you up for life. And it's it's bullshit. So this is where my mind is going is, first of all, I just want to encourage and invite everybody who's listening to this, that if you know individuals who are going to be, if you know service members who are going to be transitioning that are going to fall into this window, tell them about it. Let them know. Get them connected with Alex and Shane, because this is this is a huge opportunity for us to bring more bit, bring, bring more veterans into the Bitcoin mission by, first of all, providing them with an opportunity to to get invested in it in a way that's very meaningful Instead of wasting that and being a part of, uh, you know, again, that fiat system that is, um, you know, that that uh, took advantage of them and railroaded them into something that is not to their benefit. By the way, I want to point something out. Some people will go, okay, well, you know, you guys are just doing like an infomercial for what you guys do. Now, don't all I'm saying is it's better to put it in Bitcoin than to do than to do fiat world investments right now whether you do it with us or not with us i don't care who you do it with all right and then just being honest whatever you're putting in it's probably not not going to make or make make much of a difference for me personally all right this is for you guys yeah i'll, I'll say i don't give a shit if you put it in bitcoin or not what i'm saying is that like you what the what our soldiers and veterans need to understand that these these tsp products they are credit they're they're predatorily approaching your 100%. misguided trust into them to be yeah. like, no, 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 we'll, we'll make you rich and wealthy. We're already forcing you to sacrifice life, limb and soul for the country. Now give us 25% of your paycheck. Like, are you like, are, like, I'm sorry guys, but uh, guys and girls, but are you like, oh, are you, are you kidding me? Doing that is better than doing nothing. All right. Let's be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Problem, I, I will admit that. The problem that we have with today's system this is that incomes do not keep pace with the prices that are increasing over time. Yeah. And we're at that point in the timeline. So this is the part that most people don't get. This is a math problem. This is not theory. This is not tinfoil hat stuff. This is math. The Federal Reserve specifically states that they, they target a certain percentage rate of inflation. Recently, it's been 2%. If you do the math... 
compounding on a graph basically at two to three percent it goes for a really long time and it looks super flat but at some point it turns the corner and it goes straight up right and if there's plenty of charts you guys can go look this stuff up on your own i encourage everybody to go check out wtf happened in 1971.com we went off the gold standard we started printing money like crazy the bottom line is this is a math problem the incomes will never ever keep pace at this point with the price of with the price of things rising okay the only thing you can do at this point is stop trying to save in in dollars now now having some kind of investments better than no kind of investments basically it's all about leverage and it's going up what you've got my contention is this is my opinion. I think Bitcoin mathematically, and this is another math thing, because there's only ever 21 million. There will only ever be 21 million. The thing you got to realize is as long as wealth is being added to the system and money is being added to the system, everything in the system will be divided by 21 million in terms of value and purchasing power. Shane, scroll back up to where that, the I think it was the first graph. Uh, yeah, right there. Productivity and compensation. So really, this is just people not realizing like what their value is worth, basically, compared to what they're putting into. I'm just making like the fiat argument almost for them. People just aren't realizing their value compared to what they're producing because a lot of it's being obfuscated so much through the fiat system. Like there's really no reason if they wanted to keep this charade going longer that they couldn't based off these numbers increase compensation to be just slightly lower but why would why would they do that when they can obviously it's not that simple right if, if you're running I'm, if you're running a business right this is the problem with with minimum wage type stuff if you're running a business you can't just arbitrarily pay people whatever you want not expected that your business is actually going to stay in business right if that only works if you're the government <laughs> Which way? Well, this only works because they're being bailed out so much and their prices are going up. Their productivity, which I would like to look no, at. That's, that not, that's anyway. not what you're looking at here. Yeah. Let me so I'll clarify something. What you're looking at here is the productivity of human beings in the West, the particularly in, the, in yeah. the United States, right? And the compensation staying flat. So who's capturing that delta? The banks. Yeah, everybody the that's turning the profit. You, this is yeah. the on effect. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? What's happening is, is that the top maybe 1% or some smaller amount, everybody who owns assets is getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. But if you didn't own assets as of probably 15 years ago, you're kind of screwed. Like everybody who's looking at the system nowadays, like everybody who's under the age of probably 40 years old today, if you didn't already, ha if you don't already have substantial assets, you're kind of screwed. It's an uphill well, battle. That's kind of sure. that. That's kind of what I'm talking about, Alex. Though, like people don't realize like what their worth is because, and again, I'm trying to like play devil's advocate right here. Like I'm, if I were trying to perpetuate the fiat system, because we got to kind of red hat it sometimes and look at what our enemies would do. The smart thing would be, what I'm saying is like the labor force are so used to getting paid in wages. But if they would start thinking, all right, I need assets. I don't 
I'll take a pay cut if I start getting some of the assets. I start getting like stock equity. options. Yeah. Like so much of like stock options, that's like C-suite, executive, VP level type stuff. But what I'm saying is if they wanted to keep this going, they would start offering those assets so that that would go up with it. It would be the only way to kind of keep this going because you've got to bring compensation and product. You got to bring those two lines closer together to at least but have that, the appearance get, of this working. So this is this is where you get Venezuela, right? Or for or Weimar Republic. So when, when you take compensation and you start to elevate it because you're giving out free money everywhere to everybody for, you know, we're just basically running the printer. If we elevate, you know, the, the compensation, uh, what 130%, whatever it is, um, up to, you know, 246% to match productivity, then what you've got is, you know, $10,000, you know, loaf of bread. And at the end of the day, you know, that's why you start to see streets that are just littered. So we can't, we can't keep compensation up with productivity. That doesn't work. And that's not how they get rich, right? Like the, they get rich because right there, I think the crux of the issue, you look at 1971, uh, where this, this vergence point really starts to come off the rails and that's, that's hard money. That's proof of work money versus, uh, and, and mostly I would say decentralized most somewhat decentralized money, hard money, proof of work. Uh, and, and that's where you get into fiat. And, you know, yeah, of course, you know, they're going to use all their speculations and their, you know, their, their money managing magic out there to, to grow their wealth. And, you know, when they talk about, I don't know how many billionaires were created during the pandemic alone, I think it was over a hundred billionaires or something like that. Why? It's because those people were willing to carry out, you know, what those people were, you know, what, what the people that print the money wanted them to do cancel on effect okay there's a really good thing that coin father's bringing up here in the chat he goes number one statement coin no corners say uh but bitcoin didn't drop 70 percent and he makes the comparison well the u.s dollar has dropped over 70 percent last 40 years the u.s dollar has dropped over 98 and a percent in purchasing power since the creation of the federal reserve in 1913 shane would you pull up bit bitbo.io b-i-t-o bo.io i want to show you guys something real quick let me know when you got it up uh, bitbo.io yeah bo.io this is this is amazing if it's the chart i think it's going to be two seconds let me know you got it up, in fact, pop it up here and on all and all um, you're on the you clock chain cut the red wire oh yeah here we go the red wire boom all right now click all at the top there you see how it says 1d 7d 1m the timeline let's go up straight up come down right above the, the chart 1d right is all orange. In. 1d is Jordan, an orange square 50 jordan shut up 1d is an orange square right above the chart on the okay, left okay. the price your, your go time horizon yeah Hit go to all. all shift Hit right all. five click all Sorry for effect far right click log Top right corner of the chart, log. This is a log scale chart. Okay, since Bitcoin's inception, there you go. Since Bitcoin's inception, Bitcoin's up over 42 million percent. Now, some people are going to go, oh, well, that's stupid because at one point it was zero. Fine. Put the, click five years. 308.44% in five years. There's not a single asset on the planet that's done that. So when you're trying to decide, oh, I'm going to keep my money in this TSP government thing and let these guys who convinced me in boot camp to manage my money, 
<laughs> Don't be an idiot. So there's there's one thing that while well, I don't agree with anything you guys have said lately or the last couple of minutes. <laughs> um, there's Sorry. one thing that not enough people have focused on. Look into how the Federal Reserve and the banks across the planet came to the two to three percent inflation rate. You think right. it's based you think it's based on math? It's not. It's, it's based, based off what it's like it's based no no it, no it's based off what one guy in New Zealand just decided to say and the narrative fucking stuck. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's literally the only reason that the Federal Reserve and banks have have targeted a 2% inflation rate because one guy said it in New Zealand and the apparently everybody liked it. That's it. Wizards, man. How like how stupid is that? The entire fiat central banking system is based off that inflation rate because it's just some number some guy threw at the wall and it stuck like spaghetti. Like talk about the cantillionaire effect and everything all you want, but that is at the root of it, and that is well, that's just like politics pathetic. and and fiscal policy, like all wrapped in a nutshell, like. You look at those numbers and you're like, oh, for the next 50 years, I'll be fine. Nobody will notice. Nobody will care. It's all going to. I think y'all might have talked about this on Cafe Bitcoin. Today. Can I just repeat this part about like, regardless of the reasons why they pick the number? All right. The math says that within 25 to 35 years at a two to three rate, two to three percent rate of inflation, it's going to count. It's going to confiscate half your wealth. Yep. All right. So you carry that out across a lifetime. Basically, that's the entire stat. Well, it'd be, it'll be half and then half again. 75%. Well, over, over your over your lifetime. And that's your lifetime here in the United States. If you're part of the geographic south and you're part of the unbanked or you've got, you know, a country that's, you know, dependent on the US dollar, you you are going to most likely run up against inflation that could not only destroy your wealth, but is going to destroy the wealth of the wealthiest people in your country. And that's that's something that, you know, to be said, because if you're, you know, you could wipe out somebody who's not doing well, but if you wipe out a class of people that invest money into infrastructure, into projects, into roads, whatever it is, uh, that can lift up other human beings by providing a wage, provide providing a job by, by education, what, what, whatever the thing you're destroying countries and civilizations and mm -hmm. generations around the earth. Well, we're experiencing two to 3% inflation. A lot of those people are getting completely wiped out. Yeah. yeah. Very, and a very small percentage, even in these other countries are getting wealthier as well. Like as long as they've got it in assets, as long as they've got it in land, gold or whatever the case may be. Right. Yes. As long yeah. as they're on the IMF friendly list. The net effect in the West, yeah. though, is, is that it's decimating the middle class. It's wiping out the middle class. Like 20 years from now, will we have a middle class? I don't know. Like, you know, when I was a kid in high school, if you made 50, 60 grand a year, you were upper middle class family. Yep. And now, what do you need to be upper middle class? 300 grand, 500 grand? I think it's technically 100. Technically, a hundred to hundred and fifty. I don't I think, believe. Yeah, I think it's not anymore. I don't now. believe it. Maybe, maybe a few. Yeah, one day, a few years ago, but not now. Yeah. Fair. 
maybe 10 years ago. That's a few. Well, that that also depends on if you're considering But there's still the people that are making the people that are making 150 grew up thinking 150 was good. Now that's the problem. I I thought yeah. the same thing when I was in high school dating myself here but like, you know, I grew up in Miami watching Miami Vice the old one with fucking Don Johnson and like, you know, all that. I thought back then, you know, man, if I could just make a hundred grand a year, I will be so rich. I will be rolling in piles of money. I won't know what to do with it all. And then at one point in my life, I started making that amount of money and I'm looking around and I'm thinking, I ain't rich. What's the problem here? Wait, what happened? Where are these piles of money at? I blacked out. What happened? Where am I? Yeah. And it wasn't until going down the red, you know, taking the red pill, going down the rabbit hole of what inflation is and all that other kind of stuff that it all started to make sense to me. It's like, look, man, the cost of things are basically doubling every 10 to 12 years. Go back. Look at prices. I'm not making that up. Go, go check yourself. Look at a pack. Look at a pack of gum. If your income is not doubling every doubling every 10 to 12 years, you're going backwards. You're falling behind. So I, uh, I kind of tested this like my, so my daughter's gotten really into Buzz Lightyear, right? And so we got her a new Buzz Lightyear that they would sell at Walmart right now, right? For, I don't know what it was, 25, 30 bucks, right? My, my dad went and got her like an original Buzz Lightyear from like 99, 2000, whenever like the first movie came out. And you compare them, and that thing sold for like $20, $25. It was about the same price, right? But then you look at them, and like one's like the old one's like three inches taller. It's got the fucking laser on the arm. It's got yeah. like every button works, wings pop out, and hers does like two things. And yep. it's shorter and squat. And it's, it's a like McDonald's toy, effectively. Yeah, it's and I mean, I think a lot of people here have probably heard of like shrinkflation and it was just I kind of like understood the concept. But then when I had like we were going to give her these gifts on for Christmas and so I'm getting ready to wrap them and I have them side by side. And I was just like, I've got this perfect example of how this whole system works right here in front of me. Yep. Yeah. And the idea is we just accept it. It just, that's just how it is. And it's, it's not how it needs to be. And there is that, you know, the, the, we talked about the middle class and it is, it is going away, but it's not going away because more people are moving into the, into the, you know, upper classes. It's going away because um, they're being swallowed up by, by poverty. And when we look at, you know, what that does, it's more than just, you know, the amount of money that you have or, you know, the, how big your house can be. It it literally is devastating people's lives. Um, You know, we talk about, you know, our, our, our friends in the Southern part of the, of the world and the impact that it has on them, you know, not only when they lose their money, but it's, it's like was said before, when the wealthy people of those regions and countries, when they lose everything, I mean, that entire society crumbles. And that's when we see it's more than just, you know, the, the pictures that we see or it's more than, you know, we are the world. You know, everybody is starving and all that. It's there. there's a much more um, widely distributed negative effect that happens of 
Yeah, because what happens when everybody loses everything? Well, they have to resort to doing terrible things to survive. Yeah. Many people get involved in crime. Many people, you know, there are people that literally sell their children or themselves or both um, into human slavery. Um, you know, substance abuse, all of the terror, all of the worst things about the human condition increase. And so we're, it's more than just Bitcoin is more than just us talking about, hey, it's a way for us to make some money. And, you know, I, I need another boat. And, you know, I want to get a second house in the mountains. It's more than just let's get an edge and let's make money and let's laugh at the government and all be billionaires. It's truly about saving people's lives. And, you know, there was there was the question about um, some of the challenges on on uh, orange pilling veterans and active duty service members. And and I heard some really good valid points on that. But this is one of those things that helps us to overcome any challenges or obstacles that may that we may encounter is. This truly is an opportunity for anyone, but for specifically service members and veterans to engage in a mission that is literally saving people's lives around the world, which is, you know, something that a lot of a lot of my friends um, in, and myself included enlisted in the military to do was to be a positive influence and make a positive input impact on a on as large a scale as possible. And. For many people, that didn't happen because we realized that it was it, it was, um, you know, there were different agendas at play that we were subject to and there, that we were a part of. But this overcomes those those obstacles and those conversations when we can share this message with them that it, it really does. It really does impact everything on a global scale and, and also on a local scale. I mean, this is something that can improve, you know, down to our neighborhoods all the way out to you know, our, our, uh, our, our brothers and sisters in the Southern parts of the, of the world who are being subjected to these, these terrible things. But, um, yeah, that's, I think that was a great question. I didn't get an, I didn't uh, jump in and comment on that one yet, but I, I do believe it's something that's, that, um, I'm, I'm glad that was asked and I'm glad that we dug into that. And that's, to me, that's, that's our opportunity to really engage in a meaningful conversation with service members and with veterans and to get them on the mission. Um, we're going to share some closing thoughts and I'm going to go around the horn after that and, uh, have you guys share yours and, and then we'll wrap this thing up with a nice bow, um, to hit on what Gabe just said, if you're out there and you're new to this idea of learning about money and economics and, and everything that is Bitcoin, one of the, the, the place where I started in all of this, uh, was a great book by Henry Hazlitt. It's called economics in one lesson. Uh, I definitely recommend that. And the reason why it kind of sparked something in my mind is when Gabe was saying, you know, we don't we don't have any idea really what's happening because of the effect of this fiat class, fiat currency and uh, in, in what they're doing in terms of counterfeiting. And in that book, um, what Henry Hazlitt talks about is opportunity costs. You can't measure opportunity costs. And when you spread that out over generations, of, of people decades you know going forward the the lives that have been lost the lives that would never reach the potential that couldn't pursue a passion the genius that this world has been deprived of in those times whether they lived or didn't live maybe they you know maybe they went into engineering for the mic or did something uh instead of following their true path of creativity those are things that cannot be measured it's one of the the greatest things on the flip side that I think I'm looking forward to is, you know, once we start to recognize that we've got 
all of these amazing people around the world, doesn't matter if they're here in the United States, uh, the middle of the Middle East, Africa, China, wherever, is those people have the ability to trade with whoever they need to around the planet to better their position, to better their lives, to follow their passion, and then become geniuses in their area and work to their life's content. Man, what a what an opportunity for the human species. But that's that's kind of all I'm going to have to say. Um, you guys throw it around the horn and, and we'll wrap up. I will say that uh, probably just going off what you just said, Shane, is that it's really exciting for me to consider what can happen with human organization and coordination and collaboration when you have an asset like Bitcoin as far as like the collaboration on production of ideas or products or technologies when because I don't know about like I'm sure you guys have had the same experience but like on here like on Twitter spaces and things I've interacted with some individuals that are very very intelligent that have very very clever ideas from areas of the world where funding is extremely difficult to get a hold of and to think what can happen when you can you just ha like happenstance and coincidence brings together somebody who has access to funding through bitcoin and somebody who has access to their ideas and thoughts and concepts and you bridge the two and you don't have all the middlemen in between as far as like central banks and stuff like that they're like oh well we don't see the value of this idea so we're not going to give you the funding like these people can be like all right go fuck yourself i know the guy i'm just going to peer to peer it and then we're going to see if we can make things happen um that's extremely exciting to me. And I'll just end it on that. Tip to tip. Peer to peer that shit, Mike. Q, Q Jordan, tip to tip. Let's let's hear it. Hey. Mike, let's let's touch tips real quick. Okay? They do it different okay. than the army officers, of course. Right here. Come on. Touch tips. Oh, other way. Other side. Come on. Oh, there we go. I, Got I it. All the way into the but, medium. Oh, oh, my hand's not showing up. You want me to, you want me to fist it? All right. Whoa. <laughs> Easy. We just, we just we just went straight into NC17 from PG13. Sorry guys. We are we are going a little earlier tonight. I hope there weren't any kids still up. Put your kids to bed, Pete. All right, Jordan, what do you got? So, um nice little segue into what I wanted to talk about of how regimes through history have decentralized. I feel like there is this perception of human history since man first learned how to walk upright or were created by God, whichever version you want to take. Since the very beginning of time, there's this misconception that humans have had to consi consistently centralize to be more productive. That might have been the case early on, maybe. I don't know. I'd want to dig into that more. But certainly since the last 2000 years, at least probably even going back before that things have centralized, but things have always pushed towards decentralization throughout every epoch of his human history. Um, like there were always people within the elite that of whatever area you want to talk about that had access to like the printing press like, all right, the printing press comes around and it's not like every Joe Schmo has one and can just put out their two cents, right? 
that's what we have now with the internet and Twitter. But you, but so who was pushing those? Like the people that had access to that technology were in kind of the inner circles and knew enough of what was going on and thought this isn't right and started pushing out narratives to kind of push back against the current regime. I don't think that's ever going to stop. That is just human nature. But understand that we are living through that. We're currently cracking. There are people even at higher echelons that understand finance, that they could like operate in the fiat system knowing what they know and probably be successful because they kind of understand how the game's played. But a lot of them are spending their time letting idiots like me know on Twitter how this game works. And then I get to listen. I get to talk to the two of you that are listening and watching right now and explain that to you. And we, and that's decentralization. Every part of human civilization has gone through that. And, and I feel like it, we really are on a trajectory of decentralization. We're just constantly manipulated by these hierarchies going back to like the tower and the square. We're all operating in the market in the square. And for some reason, we think these hierarchies looking down on us have control over us. And they don't. And Bitcoin is the biggest proof of that ever. One of the biggest weapons that they have, we can er eradicate because, as somebody pointed out, it's almost like a virus. There's no stopping it. Sorry. Go fuck Man. yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you mind if I jump in? <laughs> wow. I mean, you, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Um, and that's, man, I'm really glad to be a, a part of this. Cause I, I learned something amazing every single time we, we have a conversation. Only it's is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's, there is throughout human history. There is, there is a constant struggle that has, that has been going on from the beginning and it is that war of um, the, the central power and then the decentralization energy that is that fights against it again and again and again and again. And, you know, it, it'll elevate and then it'll decrease. It'll elevate. It'll have a, you know, there'll be an epoch and then it'll go away for a while. But it is a constant, constant battle. Um, and we've seen it, you know, even in, our, in the last few hundred years in our own country with you know, the, you know, the, the war of Northern aggression, whatever we want to call it, but that, that was in many ways we can compare it to that. Never mind. The civil war um, can be in some ways uh, we can apply some of these concepts to it, but the reality is there's a reason why that is a constant theme throughout human history is because it is in our nature. Our nature is to be, part of a decentralized network that works collaboratively with one another, but still um, maintains our autonomy um, and is, is able to exist within a society um, based on, um, you know, in, in a trustless way that is reliant upon um, verification of activities and intentions throughout the entire network. And so in, in a way, this living thing that um, you know that that we call Bitcoin, the Bitcoin network, in many ways, it really is the embodiment of what humans have aspired to be since we have existed. In that, it does set the example of what that 
um, what that decentralized network can be. It really does set the example for how we can truly reach that human potential um, to its fullest capability. And to me, that's just, you guys just blew my mind by bringing me to that realization. But I mean, if there's, if there's a mission that, uh, that is more important to be on than to, um, be a part of the force that is driving humanity to realize its full potential. Um, I don't know, man. I think that that sounds like it's pretty important to me. And so that is awesome. And I have nothing further to add to that because those were all the words that I brought with me tonight. Hey, Alex, what you got, brother? All right, two things. So first, uh, I suspect that centralization is more of a natural. <clears throat> it's a nat it's a natural pathway for evolution. Like this is true. Like Jason Lowry talks about this uh, in his book that he wrote. This started with with single celled organisms, and the single celled organisms centralized together because. By doing so, they can project more power. And by projecting more power, they can consume more resources. And so everything in life since single-celled organisms has been a function of centralizing to project more power to control more, more resources. And it's true for human beings too. Humans have been more and more centralizing over time to the point where now we have these massive hegemonies and you have these corporations that ha are accumulating more and more power. I mean, it's basically the same concept. And I'm going to suggest that this has been true ever since then and is still true today, except Bitcoin changes the power projection equation. You can now as an individual basically resist a state level attack. This has never been possible before in the history of mankind. I'm going to leave that alone because we can dig deep into that in another discussion. I'm not going to go there tonight. But what I will say there was a point brought up earlier where some some guys active duty get kind of torn and they're like, well, isn't it being unpatriotic to like shit on the United States dollar? Like, I get what you're saying. Bitcoin might be better, but I can't like I can't go there. Right. Because they have they feel this loyalty to the country. I'm going to point out a couple quick things and then I'll. I'll hand it off to Shane first. When the country was founded, the United States of America, the money was not United States dollars. It was gold and silver in the Constitution. Look it up. When did Article that one, section eight, clause five. At some point, it went from gold and silver specie as money to gold certificates, meaning you could trade in this gold certificate to the Treasury, the United States Treasury. They had to give you the value of what was printed on that certificate in equal weight of gold and silver. Then at some point, that went away. What's on our notes today? Federal Reserve note. What's a note in financial terms? It's an IOU. IOU what? I owe you nothing, knucklehead. Is a gigantic con. All right. And here's the thing. When when I joined the military, I swore an oath to defend the United States Constitution. I didn't swear an oath to defend the Federal Reserve. That's bankers' money, guys. Federal Reserve is neither federal nor does it have any reserves. The entire name's a misnomer. The entire thing is a con. I'm not making it up. Look it up. Okay, and then finally, Bitcoin's the people's money. It's the most honest, fair money we have ever seen in the history of man. When we had this original idea of government for the people, by the people, you know, of the people, by the people, 
it's the first time we can do that with the money that we've got because the money that the government currently runs on is a con. So you're not being disloyal by going, oh, Bitcoin's, you know, not the U.S. dollar. It's like, guys, the U.S. dollar is not your money anyway. I'll leave it at that. Hey, man. Damn. Power on the way out. I'm telling you what, man, I, I like what I'm hearing. Uh, this is the fifth episode. We're, we're finally starting working out some of the audio, video, and all that fun kind of kinks. Guys, I, I really enjoyed this episode. It was it was good to have great audio. It was really cool to be interacting with people from YouTube. Um, man, I think we're going to continue to do some more things like this. We'll figure out Twitter spaces as it uh as we evolve but uh for everybody out there if you are looking at getting into bitcoin uh you can contact uh myself or alex uh we'd be glad to help you if you are one of those guys that's looking to get out of uh, your your bonds and, and take that and do something or our iras from the military get out of it i don't care where you do it uh but like i said we'd be happy to help you if you love this episode go out there subscribe like the channel, share it with your friends, share it on base. Let's penetrate wherever we can, uh, pump up the signal. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. And uh, for me and everybody else here, Alex, Gabe, Mike, Jordan, uh, thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you guys for your time, your intellect, and uh, being willing to do this uh, with us every week. So tune back in next Wednesday, same bat channel, 9 p.m., back to the, the, the right one anyway. And uh, we'll see you then. Peace. Hit subscribe. I'm in thing. Smash that like button. Hit the bell. Do all the stuff. And get Hit out the there. follow wherever that yeah, button is. Go penetrate. <laughs> penetrate <laughs> every hole. Shane, uh, <laughs> oh, how many things can I say to get us kicked off of YouTube? <laughs> Let's bring up trans issues right away.